As the Northern Hemisphere enters summertime and longer days, we may find ourselves spending more time outside working and playing under the sun. But what considerations do we need to have for the health of our skin? What causes sunburn? How does UV damage our skin? Who's most at risk from skin cancer? And how does sunscreen work? Hello and welcome to the MetaIron Podcast. I'm Noel Fitzpatrick. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Barbara McGrogan and Dr. Trina McCarthy of the National Cancer Control Programme. Together, we explore the role of sunlight and UV radiation in skin damage and skin cancer, and how best to protect ourselves from the most adverse effects. So thank you to you both for coming in. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation, and I really can't think of a better time to have it as we're setting into some really lovely sunny weather coming up. So it's a, it's a really interesting conversation. I think we will hear a lot about things like UV radiation as we, you know, when we talk through this this topic. Could you explain what UV radiation is? Yeah, um, UV radiation is an energy that comes from the sun. Uh, the sun emits different types of energy. For example, it emits visible light, which can be seen. It emits infrared radiation, which can be felt as heat or temperature. And UV radiation is also emitted, but this cannot be seen or felt. But the levels of UV radiation can be high, even on cool and overcast days. And we, there, we sometimes hear about UV, A, B and C. Well, what's the difference between those? Yeah. So there are three types of UV. So there's UVA, UVB, UVC. So as sunlight passes through the atmosphere, all the UVC and most of the UVB is absorbed by the atmosphere. And therefore, UV radiation that reaches the Earth is largely composed of UVA and UVB. Now, UVA is associated with skin aging and skin cancer and eye damage. And these rays have a longer wavelength than UVB and they penetrate deeper into the skin and the eyes. And also UVA can pass through glass and cloud cover. Uh, UVB is uh, the other UV is associated with skin burning and eye damage. And these rays are shorter in wavelength compared to UVA. So UV radiation can also reflect off different surfaces like concrete, water, sand and snow, and they can cause significant damage to both skin and eyes. Okay, that's very interesting. So depending on, say, the wavelength of the UV, um, you may be more vulnerable to certain types, say, through glass or on cloudy days, and then those different, uh, those different wavelengths have different impacts on your skin. You mentioned there that the, the atmosphere absorbs a lot of uh, UVC. So is that what we think of when we hear uh, the importance of ozone in our atmosphere? Yes, ozone is in the stratosphere and very important in terms of absorbing UVC and most of UVB because if UVC reached the earth, it would have a very detrimental effect on, on people and the planet. Yeah, I've heard that basically if we didn't have that ozone layer, we basically wouldn't have life on Earth because it's so that the strength of that radiation. Yeah. And of course, we have, um, as we would have heard, you know, the talk of a, the hole in the ozone layer, which is which thankfully due to sort of human uh, cooperation is, is, is on the mend. But are there locations that you get higher UV intensities? You know, are there parts of the world where you have more UV radiation than others? Yes, the closer you are to the equator, the more UV you're exposed to. Uh, 
Okay. And I think it's important what we mentioned earlier about, you know, things such as the reflection from surfaces. So it's not just sort of where you are in the world, but even within that country, you know, if you're near the sea or if you're out in water, the, that sort of double effect of the sun isn't just coming, you know, from the sky down to you, the rays hitting you that way. It's getting the double effect of reflection from the, the water's surface, sand, concrete, you know, so obviously things like grass and natural, you know, that'll, that's not bouncing it back at you. So that's another important factor to, to keep in mind. That's very interesting. So say if you were planning to spend some time in the water surfing or something like that, or or even say, I know people who like to go skiing, for example, things like that. that yep. uh, Snow will reflect back at you as absolutely. well. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's interesting. So in terms of that that intensity and that strength, is there a way that we can measure that or is there is there a metric for that? Yes, it's called the UV index. And what the UV index does is it measures the strength of the sun's UV rays so that you know when and how to protect your skin and eyes. So it's an index and it was developed by the World Health Organization and it ranges from a scale from zero to 11 plus. Zero being no radiation to 11 plus being extreme radiation. So we know when the UV index is three and above, you need to protect your skin and your eyes when you're outdoors. And in Ireland, generally, the UV index is three and above from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. between April to September. So this is when UV is strongest and people should protect their skin and their eyes. And it's interesting when you look at going to other countries and other parts of the world, you'll see again, who is it coming closer to the equator? You'll see in the their seasonal, their summer months, you can see how high the UV index can get that, you know, three and above. Now we'll get to six and seven in Ireland, certainly in, in um, summer months, in the height of summer. But that can be sort of reached much earlier, we'll say, in the in the summer season. Um, as you get closer to the equator, you're talking, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. So that's that's why, um, you know, the, the risk of... UV damage close to the equator is so much higher. Okay, it's that, still very real here. It's I was just going to say that's that's interesting because you sometimes hear sort of anecdotal things about, for example, that uh, Australia, for example, has you know really high UV uh, index. But I guess I, I'm sure it does because it's closer to the equator. But also I'm sure there are other factors like you've uh, a, you know predominantly fair skinned population things like that. So it's it's. But as you say, the controlling factor is that closeness to the yeah. equator. I mean, the fair skin population, that's about the vulnerability of the person, you know, being affected by the by the UV rays. Um, I suppose the, the UV rays coming, you know, down are the, are the same regardless of the person um, receiving them. But um, but certainly it can, you know, there there are factors like you know, the, the drier climate and that the people are outdoors more as well. I suppose there are, there are factors like that. But for us, I mean, UVA, you have all year round. So there's that kind of chronic exposure anyway as well. So, I mean, that can happen right throughout the year. And I suppose maybe it's partly because of our colder, wetter weather, maybe that we're a little bit more covered up at that time of year. But then UVB, as we mentioned earlier, you know, that's that very, very seasonal. So in Ireland, you know, we, we, we can say that, you know, a very clear day and, you know, the height of summer that will definitely be above above three and like being prepared for that between April and September and around your, you know, the middle of the day, that's, that's, that's really important. And, uh, our weather is nothing if not changeable, so <laughs> so you have to be have to be prepared. I think for the weather to change, and you might think, okay, it's it's raining at the start of the day, but the fact that it can clear up, and you know, you can find yourself exposed to, um, you know, knowing what the maximum UV index for the day, I think, is what you need to be prepared for, even if it's uh, four seasons in one day. That's kind of typical for us. Yeah, we're, we're very <laughs> familiar with that. So that's that's actually a, a good a good summary there, I guess, in terms of. 
UVB is something particular you need to look at in sort of a seasonal basis on, on sort of clear sunny days, but UVA can affect us all year round and on cloudy days as well. And just to say that uh, the UV index is available on the MetAaron website and you can download the app as well. And they have regional forecasts and um, also the UV index for Europe is available on the MetAaron website. So it's interesting to have a look at those levels as well. That's very good, particularly for anyone who's planning some holidays during the summer. Exactly. So we've, we've a better sense of what UV is. How does UV damage our skin? So the um, both UVA and UVB can damage the DNA in our skin cells. And um, so what we have to think about is all the cells in our body are constantly, you know, regenerating, replacing them. You know, that that's a, a constant, it's a work in progress in, in our bodies. And the DNA really sort of controls that growth. You know, it's it's um, it is what dictates the pace at which that happens and, and how you replace it. If your DNA gets damaged, what happens is, er, you know, errors happen and, and they're not corrected. And you basically end up with uncontrolled growth of cells. And that's what, what a tumour is. So once you have those hits to your DNA, then your your skin can, you know, regenerate at an uncontrolled rate and, and lead to a skin cancer. Okay, so that UV energy, uh, it sort of allows for these errors to, to grow in, within your, your skin cells and yeah. give the potential for that. I guess before we get to, say, skin cancer, you know, there are other sort of forms of, of skin damage that we're familiar with, say, for example, uh, sunburn. I mean, it, it, what what is sunburn? Yeah, so sunburn, I think unfortunately in Ireland an awful lot of us have experienced sunburn and it, it is, I mean, it's a strong indicator in terms of your risk of, of future skin cancer. You know, that's that's one thing to to bear in mind. I mean, it is showing that the amount of, you know, radiation energy that, that's hit and it's really the UVB that causes that. So it's it's the reddening and the heatening of your skin, but it's it's causing damage that, you know, will, um you know, cause a redness and, and, and damage and then blistering and peeling and, and, you know, fade to a tan. And some people, I suppose, would think, well, you know, sunburn is necessary because I want to get a nice tan. But the tan is just a reflection of your skin trying to protect itself. You know, it's a sign that DNA damage has occurred. So it is a burn. And obviously you can have serious burns from sunburn. You know, it can have quite, you know, severe thickness in terms of, you know, the, the level of the skin that's that's affected and lead to dehydration and, and be associated with sunstroke. But even at the sort of lower level of sunburn, it's an indication that your your skin has been damaged, burned, DNA damage has occurred, and then it's not a healthy tan, as I said. There's no such thing <laughs> thing as a healthy tan. Um, it's just your body just trying to trying to fight uh, what's happening to it and protect itself. So, are are you more vulnerable to damage? If, say, your skin has been burnt already or if you've had, say, for example, uh, I mean, I'd imagine freckles, perhaps, I, I mean, you can correct me on this, are a sign of sun damage. So are, are you more vulnerable if you've had sort of past episodes of, of that kind of skin damage? Um, I would say you're more vulnerable to to, um, to skin cancer. Certainly, it's a cumulative risk. So if you think of your exposure to UV and the damage that's caused, that if you accumulate that over your your lifetime and, you know, it's not like giving up smoking, you can't give up being exposed to, to the sun's rays, you know. So it's a lifetime risk and it's just how you protect your skin from that, from that lifetime risk. So freckles, like they do tend to, you know, they're, they're often kind of more 
genetic will say, but um, you know, they're activated by the sunlight and that's a sign that, that's, you know, you've been exposed to UV and the, that they they deepen. But um, it's also freckles are an indication of your skin type in terms of your skin type being more vulnerable to, to damage from um, UV radiation. So that's important too. Yes. Yeah. And in terms of skin type, there are different types of um, skin type in terms of the Fitzpatrick scale. Say, for example, a person's natural skin colour influences their sensitivity to UV radiation and cancer risk. And this can be classified according to the Fitzpatrick skin type classification scale. So basically, the scale considers skin colour and how the skin reacts to UV with a range from one being fairer skin colour with high risk of burning to six being the darkest skin colour with the lowest risk of burning. And a person's skin type is controlled by their genes and they cannot be changed. This cannot be changed. And just to say that most Irish people are skin type one and two, meaning they are fair okay, yeah. you know, and prone to burning if, if they're exposed to UV. And the fairer you are, the more risk of skin cancer you are. Also, just to say in terms of darker skin types, these um, skin types are less vulnerable to UV damage compared to the lighter skin colour. But research has shown that skin cancer can occur in people with dark skin and can be detected at a, a later, a more advanced stage in darker skin people's. Okay, so that's a good point. So that even even if you, you naturally have darker skin, you're not invulnerable to, to these effects. And in fact, you may not notice the damage till later on. Yeah, that's it's actually not, not not spotting them. That's, that's a particular risk, I think, with darker colour skin, yeah. Are there similar effects on our skin from, say, artificial sources of UV? So, for example, tanning beds, do they have a similar effect as, as natural UV from sunlight? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of sunbeds, uh, sunbeds emit a very high level of UVA. And UVA is mainly associated with ageing and tanning and, of course, skin cancer. Now, exposure to sunbeds increases the risk of developing skin cancer. The International Agency for Research on Cancer, IARC, they have classified sunbeds as a class one carcinogen or carcinogenic to humans, wow, basically. Okay. And also the European Commission's sheer group have said that there is no safe limit for exposure to UV radiation from sunbeds. So basically, if people use sunbeds for the first time before the age of 35, they increase the risk of developing melanoma by 75%. So that just shows you how dangerous sunbeds are. That's it's safe to say it's yeah. kind of unequivocal, the evidence around sunbeds in terms of, as I said, you, you have your lifetime risk of exposure to UV and that is real sort of intense exposure. That's an avoidable risk. So people would often say it's similar to tropical sun, you know, the level of intensity you're getting in a sunbed. So if that's something you can avoid, it's strongly recommend it. That's an incredible statistic in terms of the increase in your odds by using it's uh, it's incredible that we still have them, you would think. And I don't know if it's something maybe equivalent to smoking that with time, it's something that with, with as you say, the evidence is unequivocal that, you know, over time it'll just have to be legislated out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, there there weren't any health benefits, we'll say, to, to using some beds. And I think one common misconception sometimes is that you know, um, uh, people think they'll use sunbeds in order to get a base tan. So then when they go on holidays, they won't get sunburned and it'll be a safer, you know, so that that's one thing I suppose I'm very keen to emphasise. That's not, you know, it's it's you're exposing your skin to radiation that's that's avoidable. Um, that the tan it gives you is literally your body just trying to protect itself 
and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't confer any sort of protection subsequently. You might might mask some of the reddening and sunburn that happens, but um, but it's still happening, and that that DNA damage is still going on there. So. And just add that um, in terms of there was a Public Health Sunbed Act 2014, which prohibits use of sunbed, sunbeds for users under 18 years of age. So that uh, was brought in. And just to say that in the t- 2022 Healthy Ireland survey, it was found that 4% of women in that survey of 7,500 people uh, use sunbeds and 1% of men within that uh, cohort use also use sunbeds. And up to 18% use some beds at some point in their lives in that particular cohort. So, you know, there's a lot of people that use some beds out there. Okay. Okay, I'm sure I'm sure it varies depending on your location on on the planet, you know, but I'd imagine somewhere like Ireland with our climate it it may seem attractive, but it's it's very useful to hear how how stark that evidence is. So I guess one sort of good uh, preventative measure you can take is not to use uh, sunbeds. Um, are there other, what, what are the other best ways to prevent your skin damage from UV? Well, I think, I mean, we would we would quote the five S's of slip, slop, slap, seek and slide, which we borrowed from the Australians. Um, there'd be our Healthy Ireland Sun Smart five S's. And really, they're just different ways of, I suppose, preventing those UV rays hitting your skin. Um, and your slip is to slip on clothing that will block the um, sun. So it's very much, you know, using long sleeves. We have a habit of, you know, having the little spaghetti strap tops, you know, when the weather gets warm and shoulders that haven't seen the sun all year coming out. Um, but, you know, having ideally, you know, shoulders covered, ideally long sleeves or having collars, you know, that, that kind of clothing and more tightly woven clothing as well will, will give you sort of better protection, particularly if you're going to be out all day and um, you can look at the, the level of protection from UV and clothes, but even just something just a little bit kind of more tightly woven. Um, your slop then is your slopping on your sunscreen. So people will be aware of the, the SPF, which is kind of what protects you um, in terms of against the, the UVB. So the, the sun protection factor, we'd recommend for adults to use a 30 plus factor um, for adults and 50 plus for children. But probably the main thing with sunscreen is, you know, use more than you think you're going to need. That's, that's you know, it's not like a, an expensive moisturiser that you should be sort of uh, using it generously probably is the main thing. Um, and ensure, you know, it's a lot of them are actually more like barriers. So, you know, they need to be reapplied. So, I mean, ideally put them on before you go out. So like 20 minutes before you're out in the sun and then reapply them, you know, particularly if say in sports or swimming or, you know, if you're rubbing down anything like that, you know, that's that, that's putting it on again, but otherwise reapplying it every every two hours anyway. Um, there's also the UVA protection in sunscreens you should look out for. So it's a broad spectrum. So it covers you for against UVA and UVB because both can cause damage. So you might see either the five stars or the UVA in a circle just to give good good UVA protection. And obviously water resistant is ideal as well if you're going to be sort of in around that. So the other, that's, that's your slip and slop. Then your slap is slapping on a hat. So that's obviously another kind of form of clothing. But um, again, you know, trying to stop the rays hitting your skin. And, you know, any hat is better than no hat. But if you're um, going to do the best to protect your skin, then a wide brimmed hat is better because then you've got that sort of lip around your head to cover your neck and your ears and that. So that's um, better again. Um, Seek would be seeking shade. So that is mentioned sort of between 11 and 3 in the day, I suppose, is the time when the UV would be highest in Ireland in particular. So 
seeking shade around that time is more important, you know. So if you're out and about, say, having lunch in the shade or, you know, coming indoors for lunch or, or kind of timing things so that you're in, in shade or trees. I love trees on a sunny day, you know, being under, under the shade of a tree is a lovely, lovely feeling. Um, or if you're out and about with children in the buggy, you know, having a shade in the pram or a shade in the buggy is really, really important for young children. And then the last one would be sliding on sunglasses because... Um, our eyes are quite vulnerable to um, to UV as well. And so it's not just the skin around your eyes getting damaged, but also at the back of your eye, you can get a, a melanoma, which is, you know, the more, more significant form of skin cancer. You can have that grow at the back of your eye. So um, having sunglasses, you know, with your proper, you know, ideally your 100% UV protection and the wraparound sunglasses will stop the rays coming in from the side as well. So, so they're the best too. So your slip, slap, slop, sleek and slide. And you mentioned the sunglasses there. I'd imagine those those wraparounds are particularly important if you're somewhere where you're getting a lot of reflection, right? Like uh, by the ocean or over snow or things like that. Yeah, you can have the best Wyburn hat, but if it's coming at you from, <laughs> from underneath as well, you need the sunglasses too. So uh, use both. Don't take off the sunglasses just because you have the hat on. So. You mentioned the different uh, SPF ratings, and I think we sort of inherently have a sense of what SPF is, but without actually knowing what it is. What what does that refer to? What is that that, that scale, I guess? Okay, yeah. So SPF means sun protection factor. So that is protection against UVB. So we recommend 30 plus uh, SPF for adults and 50 plus SPF or higher for children. So in terms of UVA, we recommend sunscreen protection with four to five stars at least in terms of protection against UVA. So that would give you very high protection. Okay, so that that makes sense because I know I see those uh, markings on, on the sunscreen bottles, you know, the stars and, and the SPF rating, but but one is for is for UVB and then the stars are for UVA. And I get things like um, face creams that people might put on in the morning, even just, you know, all through the year. It's it's UVA protection in those generally. Is that right? It's sort of for the, your daily... Quite a lot would have SPF, actually. A lot would okay. have, yeah, you can get ones with SPF, um, usually 15, 20, you know, and now they're not... They're not as good, you know, you still should really be using a, um, a proper sun sunscreen, but they're definitely better than not having anything on. So you'll see uh, um, an SPF in a lot of those as well. And just to say in terms of sunscreen use, really, it should be used alongside shade and covering up, which is actually extremely important because people generally don't apply enough sunscreen to get the full protection. And in terms of SPF and protection against UVB, so 30 plus, that would give you 96% protection against UVB if you put on enough. Okay. And in terms of 50 plus protection SPF, that would give you 98% protection against UVB if you put on enough again. So, you know, really our key message is to use them in combination to get the best result. So it's, the, it's your uh, last line of defence sunscreen, really. It's mm. the areas that can't be protected through the other measures. That's where sunscreen should be used. And also to remember that 30 plus doesn't mean that you can stay out in the sun 30 times longer and 50 plus doesn't mean 50 times longer because sometimes people have that misconception. So how does sunscreen work on, on a basic level? I mean, what is it that it's that it's doing to our skin to make it to make us you know a bit more uh, invulnerable to it. I guess we're not invulnerable, but you know. So in terms of different types of sunscreen, there's chemical sunscreens, and what they do is they allow UV to be absorbed into the skin and converted into heat, and then emit emitted from the skin. So they would be chemical 
type sunscreens. And then the other type are physical or blocks, mineral. They're, they're mineral or physical is the name in terms of sunscreens. And they block and they contain, say, chemicals like zinc oxide. So, you know, again, you can use either or. Okay, that's really interesting. So, as you say, you've got the minerals or the, that reflective property, which maybe we would be more, you know, sort of instinctively could, could appreciate. But then that chemical process where you're converting that energy to heat, that's really interesting. I, I didn't, wasn't aware of that. Are there parts of our skin that we forget to put sunscreen on? You know, is there certain parts that, you know, people generally just don't think of when they're putting on sunscreen, maybe our ears or the back of our necks or something like that? Yeah, I mean, there are certain areas, I suppose, that people don't think about because they're exposed so much. So your hands, you know, they it can be a problem that you, know, you put your sunscreen on and then it's in your hands and you wash your hands and then your <laughs> the backs of your hands are exposed. That's particularly an issue, I suppose, because the chronic exposure to, to hands are, you know, um, an issue. There, I suppose, in terms of applying sunscreen, that's probably more of an individual thing. But um, a lot of people think, well, have you ever gotten burnt <laughs> anywhere? Because that's where you're missing. Um, so it's sometimes in terms of applying, often it's just that they kind of sweat off in certain areas. So, you know, maybe the backs and knees or things or, you know, people are just applying and they don't quite do their ankles because they had socks on and then they took them off and they forget. You know, there's some sort of things like that that, that people do as opposed to... Um, yeah, it's both, as you said, putting it on, putting it on generously, reapplying it. That's, you know, where it comes off. Um, a lot of the other areas that you mentioned, like particularly, say, non-melanoma skin cancer, which can be a type, you know, that's, okay, it doesn't spread, but it, you know, your chronic UV exposure in particular in your life can, can make you at high risk. So those areas such as, again, that's, that's year-round exposure you have. So places like your ears and your neck and, side, you know, the side of the face that are exposed all year round, I mean, they are, are high-risk areas. So you know, having any form of sunblock at all um, will help reduce your risk there. Can I just say, in terms of melanoma, um, in terms of women and melanoma, the most common location would be the legs. And for men, it's the back. So, you know, they're, they're the most common areas for melanoma location. Okay. So cover and the legs and, and, and if you're a man, ask someone to, to get yeah. your back as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think what happens sometimes is people just a bit like taking the socks off. You know, people didn't plan to take the T-shirt off. But like melanoma can arise anywhere in your body. But just in terms of areas for burn, absolutely, you know, you can... You can see how that happens with, you know, the way that's a, a hot day and how we react to the sun and being outdoors. And it's just, to um, you know, in terms of being prepared, I suppose, having sunscreen with you or having something else to, to cover up with, you know, because um, if you're out for prolonged periods, it's, it's just quite high risk. In terms of, say, for example, you know, m- many of us are indoors quite a big chunk of the day, uh, whether it's through work or from people who are you know, still in school or in college and... Are there, you know, the, the idea of going out and get a little bit of sunshine on your face, you know, that, that it's good for you, you know, in terms of, you know, we all know like vitamin D, we can get that through sunshine. Is there a benefit? Is there a sort of a, a time amount that we should spend in the sun or is it, is it sort of, you know, there are other better ways to get vitamin D perhaps? Well, I think first of all, I mean, one big benefit is, is to get outdoors. I think just for your physical and your mental health, I mean, they're just you know, numerous advantages you can think of in terms of staying active, being outside, enjoying nature, fresh air. You know, there's there's multiple positives there before you even consider sun and vitamin D. So um, I think absolutely you don't want to sort of ask people to, to stay indoors and and, uh, and stay away. Um, from a, um, a vitamin D point of view, yes, you do get you know, vitamin D can 
be generated obviously in in your skin and it's the UVB in sunlight is is what what um, creates it and there are advantages to um vitamin D is a, an important vitamin like all of you know in terms of your immune system your your musculoskeletal system so in older people for example there's recommendations for vitamin D supplements to reduce risk of falls so it's an important vitamin I suppose the question then comes to what's the safest way of you getting enough vitamin D so if you live in Ireland for half the year you'll never get it from the sun because it was mentioned earlier you're not going to get UVB in sunlight anyway for the other half of the year the amount of time you'd need in the sun to activate that is actually it's quite low you know it really is kind of the incidental exposure for most people now it depends on things you can't really give it time because it depends on the time of day you are out, you know, the type of skin you have yourself, you know, so you can't really say it's well, maybe it's only five minutes you need to be out. But it probably is as low as that for a lot of people. But it's generally quite short, the amount of time you'd need to get vitamin D activated. And it's less than the time you need to burn or have your skin reddened. So it's short, but there are other ways of getting vitamin D, as said, for certain kind of they're vulnerable groups who are housebound or elderly and that where there, it's recommendations to have vitamin D supplementation for that reason, but also just for everyone else in terms of your diet and using, you know, oily um, fish and egg yolks and, you know, fortified milk. So you can get vitamin D in your diet. So I think it's it's that balance between, you know, burning and, expo- you know, you shouldn't be sort of deliberately exposing your skin okay. to get vitamin D. Yeah. You should seek the other methods because you need to have other sources of vitamin D all year round anyway. I think what you say makes a lot of sense. It's uh, particularly during, say, the summer months, we're sort of incidentally getting the level of sunlight that we need. So if you're planning to spend time outdoors, take the precautions that you need, really. I mean, studies have looked, for example, at, you know, have people who use sunblock and sunscreens, are they at higher risk of vitamin D um, deficiency? And they've shown no. If you're out and about enjoying the sun and using sun protection measures, um, you're in very low risk of vitamin D deficiency. Um, Ireland has a, a national skin cancer prevention plan. So I think we're in a, a new phase of that plan now. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, we had a plan that ran for three years and then this year we've we've launched um, launched a new plan for 23 to, to 26. And really what we're looking at is, you know, how can we work to um, get people to adopt the behaviours that will um, reduce their risk of skin cancer? So, um, I mean, it's our it's our commonest cancer. It's, you know, over 13,000 cases a year. So now, fortunately, a lot of those cancers would be um, non-melanoma skin cancers. So they don't, you know, they don't spread to other parts of the body. But, you know, you can require surgery or radiotherapy for them. Whereas but the most concerning would be that thousand or so um, people who are diagnosed with melanoma every year. And that is unfortunately a type of cancer which can, can spread. Now, if it's caught early, there's a very, very good outcome, but it can spread to other organs. Um, and, you know, when you actually look at those types of cancers that can spread, it's our fourth commonest. So it is a very, very common cancer in Ireland. And even taking our ageing population into and our growing population, we have a very large population, according to the recent census. That's our, right, yes. <laughs> our yeah. in a long time, don't we? Um, so um, even taking our growing population into account, our, our rates of melanoma in the country are, are, are rising, particularly in women. So I think it's, it's a real concern that um, we need to make sure that we 
do things, you know, to make it easy for people as well to, to, you know, to know what to do, but also to make it easy for them to have shade available or have, you know, the you know, good prompts, we'll say, so to know when the UV index is high, what time of the year, when to, when to um, look out, look out for um, the risks. So is, would education be a big part of, say, of that plan with, from, you know, being aware, the awareness, I guess, is one of the most important things. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've been running a, a SunSmart campaign. So the, the Healthy Ireland SunSmart Steps, the five S's, we've been running that um, and, you know, for, for a number of years now and particularly as a to... Um, it's it's educating people, but also just having those kind of prompts as well. So getting people to understand the importance of it, but then also um, having triggers, whether it's in your workplace, looking at we've looked at things such as having wide room tats introduced at quite a number of large employers in the country have been piloting that to have wide room tats as part of their standard uniform so that their workers would um, would avail of that or having, you know, sunscreen kind of available in the workplace and convenient so they can reapply it um, having prompts for the UV index to, to remind people when to use them. So there are a couple of sort of high risk groups. So there's like a general population awareness. Um, they're outdoor workers because they're exposed kind of to probably two to three times as much UV radiation as everyone else because they're outdoors more. Um, children and adolescents would be a particular target group as well because your skin would be more vulnerable at that age. So your, you know, the exposure you get then would sort of be a disproportionate risk to your lifetime risk um, of skin cancer, but also to get sort of good practices ingrained in people. So I've been working a lot with whether it's summer camps or lesson plans for schools, competitions, art competitions and, and those things, again, just to engage children and people who work with children in, in learning about those behaviours but then also looking at their environment. So um, to give the example of childcare settings and having shade available. So back to again, it's nice to be outdoors and it's great to get them outdoors and playing outdoors, but having shade available so that they can do that and, and um, protect themselves from the sun at the same time. That's great. I always yeah. think it doubles up for a rainy day. You know, if you have a good, <laughs> if you have a good option for shade that can keep the rain off and can keep the sun off, you know, you get a, a double win that way. Even, I guess, getting that mentality in, into organizers of events or, you know, activities like like uh, summer camps or any sort of outdoor activities, this idea that, well, shade is a, is a necessary facility that people will need if it's going to be, if they're going to be outside all day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think people appreciate it anyway as well. You know, it's just nice to take a little break from the, from the heat too. But yeah. When you're looking towards, say, the end of, of that plan, I think you said it ends in 2026, or I guess, you know, maybe the end of the, of the goals for that plan. Are there certain outcomes that you hope for? Are there, are there maybe there's some metrics that you hope to see change or, or some, some changes in attitude perhaps? Yeah, I mean, the, the end goal obviously will be our incidence of, of skin cancers, which we're monitoring through the, the cancer registry, but that there are longer term goals and things that we're, that we're monitoring. But it's really the behaviours, you know, through the Healthy Ireland survey that we're monitoring people's um, knowledge and awareness. That's an annual survey that will be carried out. And just looking at, I suppose, our um, evidence so far is this, that people are aware of sunscreen, for example, as a measure, but much less likely to adopt the other measures in terms of clothing or shade and so it's a particular focus on those measures and and hopefully seeing those those change just to say another thing in terms of being good role models so you know if people can be good role models and and 
uh, put on the sunscreen and wear the wide brimmed hats and wear the clothing, then other people see that and then they do it themselves, you know, across all the different uh, areas. That's a really good point. I mean, even in, in, in other areas, say, for example, in outdoor sports or things like that, where you see people wearing safety gear, initially it can be, there can be a bit of resistance to it or it's not necessarily cool. But if you see enough people doing it, it, uh, it can have a, you know, a, big, a big impact. I was absolutely struck by the recent Cork and Limerick curly match, which I, I won't mention the result because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too happy. But looking at the looking at the spectators, the number of people who were wearing bucket hats, um, you know, with their their county emblem on them, you know, and they were very bright and very attractive and, you know, um, showing their support for their um, county. But just it was great to see that people who are because it's, it's often not just the people participating in the sport, it's the people who are on the sidelines watching, a, you know, a children's competition for the day or something, you know, and they're out and if there isn't shade available, you know, having their hats on and having that and having those things available. So, um, yes, yeah, so in particular, the book, the wide brimmed hats were great to see. So it's nice where those things become a little bit more the, the norm and are available to buy. From your own sort of interactions and what you've seen through your careers to date, have you really noticed that, that shift in attitude with people? I mean, in, in comparison to say when maybe you started on this work? Yes, I definitely notice um, more people are talking about the subject. Uh, there's a lot more people wearing the hats as well. So I see, you know, a lot of children wearing hats. I see a lot of older people. I see across the board, you know, people looking after their skin and wearing sunglasses a lot more as well. So physically, you know, I'm seeing more. And in terms of shading, you know, I see more shading being available, yawnings, awnings, I should say, uh, and different types of shading in parks and um, different recreational areas. So, yeah, I'm definitely seeing more in the environment, you know, as well. Yeah, there's been, I think there's often a little bit of a snowball effect too, sort of with organisations and um, similar to having role models as individuals. I think we've seen certain certain employers or sporting organisations sort of taking taking an interest and then others get to see. So, um, you know, among outdoor workers, I think they're particularly, you know, over time that's, that others saw and wanted to get interested, you know, got interested in it. Um, the GA Cool Camps this year are, are partnering with us in terms of promoting Using Sun Smart, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge yeah. number of children who, as it will be outdoors in the middle of the day, and that's great for them. But just that they'll just have that little bit of caution as well. That's that they'll be learning about about being safe outdoors. Uh, yeah, so th- I think there's, there's there's been a momentum there. I think which has uh, been very very positive, you know, and yeah, that people are coming up with new ideas and and wanting to get involved. So. Um, the sort of Healthy Ireland network would reach into communities, I think, and, you know, sort of local sporting groups or community organisations who often want to say, well, how can we, you know, get this? Can we get the message out locally? How can we promote it in our parks or our clubs or whatever? So um, there's been a lot of that happening. So and and we would have a lot of resources available for, um, you know, for them. So our um, hsc.ie forward slash sunsmart would be um, a website to go to where people can just even see what's what's available and we can um, kind of link directly with them then as well also but um, yeah it's lots of lots of development happening so it's been great I think uh, educating and getting to the kids is a great idea just in terms of not only are you instilling that information in them but kids are great for going back to their parents then and sort of telling them well actually you should be doing this now or yes, we want to use yes. pester power in yeah, a good exactly. way yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's very effective well uh, you're doing fantastic work and it's, it's great to see that the 
the fruit of your labour is showing in terms of the response that people are, are taking to being a bit more sensible out in the sun. And uh, it's been a very interesting conversation. So I know you, you guys are very busy. So thank you for coming in this afternoon and talking to us. It's been really interesting. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode. My thanks again to Dr. McGrogan and Dr. McCarthy for a really interesting and informative conversation. I hope you found it helpful. As always, if you've any thoughts or questions on today's episode, you can get in touch on Met Aaron's social channels or drop an email to podcast at met.ie. And if you're not already subscribed, you can do so wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. <laughs>